This is a July 4th holiday edition of C-SPAN's The Weekly. I'm Steve Scully in Washington. He helped to change the way Americans look at politics and government, using his often biting humor to make a point and educating a new generation about Washington. Jon Stewart signed off on his Comedy Central program, The Daily Show, five years ago. But now his anchor desk and other memorabilia are on display at the museum, located on Pennsylvania Avenue in our nation's capital. We learn more with Patty Rule. She is vice president of content and exhibit development for the museum. But we begin with Jon Stewart's first night as the host of The Daily Show 20 years ago. Welcome. Welcome, welcome to The Daily Show. Craig Kilborn is on assignment in Kuala Lumpur. I'm John Stewart. <laughs> Coming up on today's show, Stephen Colbert with the latest analysis out of Washington. Beth Littleford interviews the original Munchkins. And Michael J. Fox is my first guest, and he's a nice man for doing it. But first, let the healing begin. It's headlines. <laughs> For our continued comprehensive coverage of The Final Blow. (laughs) You're out of order. He's out of order. This whole trial is sexy. (laughs) President Clinton's historic impeachment trial begins Thursday. And the most important issue facing the United States Senate is how can it take a pointless, tawdry trial whose outcome has already been decided and make it last six hilarious, humiliating months? One way to do it would be an endless parade of meaningless witnesses. I don't see how we can deny the House the ability to call witnesses if they believe it's critical to their case. Now, we can negotiate with them about the numbers. We can decide that we're not going to allow material to be presented at the trial that's offensive. Republicans want to call Monica Lewinsky to the stand, as well as any other women Clinton may have had affairs with. However, many officials oppose the idea saying the caravan of trailer homes to Washington could paralyze interstate traffic and rob the Little Rock fast food industry of hundreds of its most reliable assistant managers. That was a portion of Jon Stewart's very first appearance as the host of The Daily Show back in 1999. And joining us in our studios is Patty Rule, the exhibit now available here in Washington at the museum that showcases the work of Jon Stewart. And let me begin by asking you about his work. What impact has he had on pop culture and politics? Jon Stewart had a huge impact on pop culture and politics. Um, He served as the host of The Daily Show through four presidential elections, two wars, and the terrorist attacks of 9-11. Throughout that, he is challenging both the government and the press to do their jobs better, challenging hypocrisy and injustice. Uh, He also spawned a new generation of um, comedians who are doing similar work to what he did in Samantha Bee, Stephen Colbert, Hassan Minhaj, John Oliver. So he's really had a huge influence on the way many young people perceive the news. Um, In order to understand understand his satire and his humor, you have to know the news. You have to understand what he's joking about. So he really changed the way people listen to the news. And as you read some of the early accounts of his appearance on The Daily Show when he first became the host, he was relatively unknown 
and very untested. Certainly. Um, you know, he had done TV, some, some TV and some stand-up. Um, he was in the running to be considered to replace David Letterman, um, but he didn't get that job. Um, at that time, it was Conan O'Brien who got that job. So, yeah, he was an up-and-coming comedian, certainly, but he took that show and really shaped it into a cultural force. What's intriguing about your exhibit, it's not only just the desk, which we'll talk about, but also the intersection of comedy and politics, making the cover of Time and Newsweek magazine, getting the attention of CNN, the New York Times, and other more legacy mainstream media. Absolutely. I mean, you know, people compared um, him to, you know, Edward R. Murrow several times and the influence he had in, you know, taking politicians to task. And the audience that he drew to the topics that he was covering was so important that you saw politicians wanting to be on the show, wanting to be there. You know, President Obama was the first sitting president to be on that show. So you really saw the clout that he had, the influence that he had among his mostly younger viewers. As you walk into the exhibit, one of the first monitors you will see is Mort Saul. Who was he and why is he included? Yeah, we wanted to um, just, this exhibit was really all about the First Amendment. You know, here we're sitting here on July 3rd, just the day before our Independence Day, and the First Amendment protects what Jon Stewart and now Trevor Noah do on The Daily Show. Political satire is part of our American DNA. We have been making fun of people in power since before there was a First Amendment. You know, King George III, people mocked him and, and British rule. So this is a part of what we do, but not every country has that ability to make fun of their leadership and have people in power. So it's something we should remember as we're, you know, popping the fireworks tomorrow and uh, grilling a hot dog. So um, I think John Stewart really, you know, shaped a lot of thinking. He was a critical, critical of both the press and people in power, held people to task. Um, you know, some of the, you know, what he did with the 9-11 um, first responders continues today, decades after 9-11. And I want to come back to that in just a moment. But the style and humor of John Stewart, for those who don't remember, here are a few excerpts. I gotta work on my Obama. All right, I'm gonna work on my Obama. Are you ready? Here we go. Uh, yes, we can. <laughs> You're telling them what a plane looks like? You could just tell 90% of your viewers, look out the airport window at the plane they're about to get on. I was not elected to serve one party. You were not elected. a nerve. He was very funny. He is still very funny, but no, no longer on The Daily Show. How did he come up with his humor? Well, I mean, yeah, they kind of did The Daily Show humor very much like a news organization comes up with their topics. Um, you know, he wanted it to be more than just sort of a, you know, kind of the show before him was, was satirical and based on the news, but I think he wanted to make more of a point. I think he saw that there was an opportunity to be, to be a little bit more important than that. So they would have sort of like, you know, show what, what are the top, topics that we're talking about today? What are the issues that we want to discuss? Um, calling into task people you know, both politicians, presidents, senators, Congress, uh, frequently Congress, uh, but as well the media. Um, so he was looking at that. They had fact checkers. They had people from the, the world of journalism um, who were calling, you know, making sure that the facts were correct before they were making fun of them. So he really did it very much like news organizations do what they do. And he used the tools of broadcast journalists, the over-the-shoulder graphics, um, the quick-cut interviews, in order to make a point. So it really has educated a new generation of young people on how politics works using humor. 
Absolutely. You know, some people criticized him for perhaps um, increasing the cynicism of young people, but I would disagree with that. I think in order to get the joke, you have to understand what the story is. And, you know, you saw him come to into his power as social media is on the rise as well. You know, we found out when we were researching this exhibit that the that John Stewart's appearance on Crossfire, in which he really criticized those political pundit shows where people just shout at each other and there's no coming together, his criticism of that show led to that show being canceled and also led to the creation of YouTube. At that time, in 2004, there was no YouTube, and it was very difficult for people to get video online. So the fact that people were seeking out that video led the creators of YouTube to think, hey, maybe this is something that we should make more readily available online and a year later YouTube was created so and he has an incredible you know incredibly inspiring story to his background yeah and you're right no that crossfire moment became a defining moment mm-hmm. here's part of what he said on with Tucker Carlson when crossfire was hosted here in Washington on the campus of George Washington University talking to John Stewart, who was just lecturing us on our moral inferiority. John, you're bumming us out. Tell us, what do you think of the Bill O'Reilly vibrator story? No. I'm sorry? I don't. I'm here to, to confront you because we need help from the media, and they're hurting us. I made a special effort to come on the show today because I have mentioned uh, this show as being uh, uh, bad. <laughs> it's not so much that it's bad as it's hurting America. So I, I wanted to but come here today let me, and say... Wait, wait, no, I just, let me... Here, here, here's just one, what I wanted to tell you guys. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> stop, 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 stop hurting America. Okay. I watch your show every day, and it kills me. I can tell you love it's it. So, oh, it's so painful to watch. Your partisan, um, what do you call it, hacks. Wait, John, wait. Like, let me, let me, you let me, have a responsibility to the public discourse. And you, you fail miserably. I think you're a good comedian. I think your lectures are boring. You're on CNN. Say. My, the show that leads into me is puppets making crank phone calls. <laughs> what is wrong with you? And you include that crossfire moment in the exhibit. We do. We do. That was a really an important moment that put him on the map. And, um, you know, whenever the head of CNN sort of agrees with Jon Stewart that this show is not <clears throat> you know, cutting any new ground in journalism, it's not doing anything good. Uh, I think Jon Stewart said, you're hurting America. Stop, stop, stop hurting America. Um, and he was really all about that. Like, you know, do a better job, media. Do a better job, politicians. You know, we're all looking to you for advice, for help. You're in these positions of power. Do it better. Walk us through the genesis of how a studio set, the chair and desk used by Jon Stewart, became this exhibit. Well, you know, we got the desk. And we were really excited about it. Everyone was really excited about it. When, as, as soon as we got it back in 2015, people were saying, when can we see it? <clears throat> but we wanted to craft a, a good um, exhibit to go with that. So it starts with a script, just like a, a movie does. Um, we do a lot of research, and we write up a story. And the more we looked into it, the better the story became. And because we are now in 2019, a year away from a, another um, presidential campaign year, we thought this was a perfect moment to show just how he has shaped the way we look at politics and the press on television and this the incredible role that satirical comedy has now on informing a generation of Americans about what's happening in the world. Do you think Jon Stewart has changed comedy, political comedy? Absolutely. You know, you see all the shows that are so popular now. You know, Sam B was one of his correspondents, Hassan Minhaj, John Oliver, Stephen Colbert. All of these folks kind of honed their comedy and the way that they look at things on The Daily Show and then went off to create their own shows, sort of in John's footprints, but with their own personal touches. As you watch visitors through the exhibit, what, what's going through their mind? What are they saying? What are you hearing? What's their expression like? 
we're hearing laughter, which is a lot of fun. We've got a lot of really serious exhibits in the museum, the Pulitzer Prize photographs, which is an amazing exhibit, but the photographs are pretty heavy. So it's really fun to see people laughing at these moments that John Stewart called uh, politicians and the media to task for their hypocrisy or just ludicrous moments. So it's really fun to relive those moments of, of our most recent past <clears throat> and just kind of see the way John Stewart really you know, skewered politicians in the press in a really amusing and, and wonderful manner. And you're also asking for comments on the way out with uh, post-it notes. Absolutely. We like people to, you know, respond to our exhibits. And so we do ask the question that many people ask is, did he make more people more engaged with the news and with government, or did he make people more cynical? Um, and so far, the the comments are running pretty much in favor of John Stewart. But, you know, John was actually called to, the, to President Obama's White House at one point, in which the president said to him, hey, are you making people more cynical? And if you are, stop doing it. Well, of course, he didn't stop doing what he was doing. What is your favorite part of this exhibit outside the desk and chair? Do you have one? It's like asking for my favorite child. Um, We got a great opportunity to go behind the scenes with Trevor Noah, who, of course, has taken the baton from Jon Stewart. Um, He's a South African-born comedian. Um, And we got to go behind the scenes to see how they make the funny there. And that was really um, interesting to see how they do what they do, how they you know react just like a news organization does. What are the top stories of the day? How are we going to fact check it? How do we get good video? What's the point we're trying to make? Constantly re- revising, 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 and then if President Trump tweets something at 4.45 when the show goes on an hour later, everything is up in the air and everything changes. So that's that was really exciting to get that opportunity to see the Trevor Noah show. And also I love... Um, Artifacts like Sam B's uh, suit that she wore for the first White House, not the White House for Correspondence Dinner. Um, we've got um, a, a flak jacket. You know, The Daily Show was very fond of um, doing sort of <clears throat> satirical things, making fun of television news. And so <clears throat> they would have two uh, correspondents behind a green screen, and they would take a flak jacket off. One person was in Beirut, and the other person was in Baghdad, and they would just hand it across the screen to show we're really here in this place that you think we're at. So a lot of really fun, cheeky things like that. We've got Scripps. We've got um, Gitmo, which was an Elmo doll um, that was sort of repurposed to represent the um, the uh, accused terrorists who were being held at Guantanamo Bay whenever issues arose about the, the rights that they had or didn't have. Um, John Stewart would use this Gitmo puppet. And um, that's kind of another iconic moment in Daily Show history. Another iconic moment, his first appearance after the September 11th terrorist attacks in New York City. He opened the program this way. Good evening, and uh, welcome to The Daily Show. Uh, we are back. Uh, this is our first show since uh, the tragedy in New York City, and uh, uh, I'm, there's no other way really to start the show than, than to ask uh, you at home the question that, that we asked the audience here tonight and that we've asked uh, everybody that we know here in New York uh, since uh, uh, September 11th, and that is, are you okay? And we pray that you are and that your family is. Uh, uh, I'm sorry to do this to you. It's it's another entertainment show beginning with uh, an overwrought speech of of a shaken host. And uh, uh, television is nothing if not redundant. So uh, I apologize for that. It's something that, unfortunately, we do for ourselves so that we can drain whatever abscess is in our hearts and move on to, uh, to the business of making you laugh, which, uh, which we haven't been able to do very effectively lately. 
from September of 2001 and Patty Rule from the museum. As you hear that and you look at his face, you could see the pain that he was feeling. Absolutely. You know, John's doing his show from New York, not very far from um, the World Trade Center. And in that moment of incredible pain, like how do you do a comedy show when when the entire country, the entire world is is reeling from that event? Um, And he talks about America and the rights that we have, the rights that he has to do what he does, satire, political comedy, and how not every place has that. So it was a really powerful moment in the show and for people to see him grappling with the issues that everyone was facing. And of course, since then, this has become his passion, his cause, as he continues to fight for the victim funds. Absolutely. You know, he was just in Congress just a few weeks ago, continuing to make the case that Congress fund um, health care for the first responders to 9-11. This has been um, a clarion call for him. And um, he, he's appeared since he left the show on other late night comedy shows to talk about it. And he's not going to give up on this issue. And we were live at that hearing. Here's what John Stewart told members of Congress. Behind me, a filled room of 9-11 first responders, and in front of me, a nearly empty Congress. And I'm sorry if I sound angry and undiplomatic, but I'm angry, and you should be too, and they're all angry as well, and they have every justification to be that way. And the idea that you can only give them five more years of the VCF because you're not quite sure what's going to happen five years from now, well, I can tell you, I'm pretty sure what's going to happen five years from now. More of these men and women are going to get sick and they are going to die. Their response to it is what brought our country back. It's what gave a reeling nation a solid foundation to stand back upon, to remind us of why this country is great, of why this country is worth fighting for, and you are ignoring them. So that a very different John Stewart, not using humor, but using anger. But going back to his program, and again, my earlier point, he really has been the intersection of modern politics and political humor. Absolutely. You know, we talk in the exhibit about his sort of righteous rage, you know, which you know, very often he would just be, I can't take it anymore, kind of a response to what was happening in the world. Um, so sometimes it was anger and sometimes it was humor, but you got that he, the point that he really cared. Has he seen the exhibit? No, he hasn't. I think he's off shooting a movie actually right now with Steve Carell, who is another person who came from The Daily Show. He was one of the correspondents on The Daily Show. So a, a huge legacy for Jon Stewart. Absolutely. And incredible when you really look at all the people who were on that show. You know, Michael Che from Saturday Night Live was on that show. You know, Sam B. So many of the people, Olivia Munn, so many of the people that we talk about today who are, you know, stars, not only rising stars, but now huge stars on their own came from The Daily Show. And he left the show in 2015? He did. Mm-hmm. This was his final farewell to the audience. John Stewart on The Daily Show. I, I just, I can't thank the people who work here enough, and I can't thank Comedy Central enough, and I can't thank the audience enough. An artist I really admire once said that he thinks of his career as a long conversation with the audience, a dialogue. And I really like that metaphor for many different reasons. But the main one is because it takes away the idea of finality. This is just, it's a conversation. This show isn't ending. We're merely taking a small pause in the conversation. I'm just going to say, I'm going to go get a drink. And uh, I'm sure I'll see you guys before I leave. So that's our show. I thank you so much uh, for the privilege 
of being able to perform it for you, for the privilege of being able to do it. And so here it is. My moment is in. Let me remind our audience, we are talking with Patty Rule of the new exhibit focusing on Jon Stewart and The Daily Show. It will be available to the public through when? Through December 31st of this year. Let me turn to the museum itself because some changes in store for you in the museum as you prepare to move out at the end of this year. Why? Well, we are going to be leaving our amazing location on Pennsylvania Avenue um, to seek to, to kind of look at our mission and just kind of rethink things. So next year we'll be in a temporary space while we plan for the future of the museum. What will happen between now and then in terms of the logistics at the museum, the exhibits, what's available, and what will change at the end of this year? Well, everything is just as it is right now through December 31st, so we hope people will come and see us before we have to leave our wonderful location at 555 Pennsylvania Avenue. We've got Seriously Funny behind the desk of The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. We also have Rise Up, uh, Stonewall and the LGBTQ rights movement, as well as Pulitzer Prize, FBI, Berlin Wall, so many incredible exhibits for people to see between now and the end of the year. We hope people will come and see us here, and um, we hope soon we'll be able to announce what our next steps will be. What do you think these exhibits represent, not only to our industry, but also to the First Amendment? Because it does vary based on the news and the anniversaries like Stonewall. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, our our role at the museum is to help people better understand the the importance of a free press and the First Amendment. So we think all of those exhibits are part of that effort. And, um, you know, that mission has never been more essential as we are seeing attacks on the press and uh, freedom of speech on college campuses. So our mission remains and we are going to continue fighting to educate people about the First Amendment and the importance of the free press. As you serve as vice president of uh, content and exhibits, how do you come up with some of these exhibits? What's the thought process? Well, everything comes back to, you know, does it reinforce our mission? Um, And then we think, is it something people are going to want to see? And we're always always trying to make connections between history and today because the First Amendment isn't something that was chiseled in stone 200 and some years ago and hasn't changed since. Um, There are constant First Amendment questions being raised every day. And um, social media and, you know, the technology era is certainly bringing all new questions to bear on on the First Amendment and the freedom of the press. So, um, you know, we're just looking at the world that we live in today and trying to reflect it as best we can and and teach people a little bit. And finally, your story, a Pittsburgh native, Penn State Mm -hmm. graduate. How did you end up at the museum? Uh, I was working at USA Today and um, had a a former colleague who was at the museum, and um, I thought, that sounds like a lot of fun. It's kind of like newspapers in three dimensions because you get, you know, the images and the storytelling, but then you also get these wonderful artifacts that people can look at and really relate to. So I had this incredible opportunity, and here I am. And you exude that excitement. Yeah. It's a a great job. It's a great place. Patty Rule of the museum, thank you very much for stopping by the C-SPAN Radio studios, and good luck with the project. Thank you. I should say project because there are many. There are. Thank you so much. And a reminder, this podcast is available on the free C-SPAN radio app or wherever you download your favorite podcast. We thank you for listening.